0: The Butt First Stretch podcast taps into the extraordinary endeavors that ordinary humans are doing daily to better their lives and their community. The goal of these conversations is to lengthen and extend our perspective on fitness, nutrition, holistic health, the mind-body connection, and what motivates us. The final portion of each episode will provide a guided meditation to self-reflect on the theme of the interview. Brought to you by Jennifer McCracken of Fit Fam Conchi. Hi, I'm Jen McCracken of Fit Fam Conchi. Welcome back to Butt First Stretch. And if it's your first time, I'm so glad that you are joining me. So, this week has been really exciting for me. Um, One of the things that I'm working on and I've been working on this year is a women's wellness retreat in the fall. And I'm partnering with Allison Orr. You can follow her on Instagram at Allison Orr Fitness. And we are headed to Jim Thorpe in the fall. So it's going to be absolutely beautiful. There will be running, yoga, resistance training, hiking, a nutrition component. And we're working on some fun activities to do in Jim Thorpe for a weekend. So if this is something that you are interested in, please let me know. Please reach out to me. We do have a discount if you register by May 1st. And there's two options. There's a single occupancy room or a double. and you can bring a friend or you can make a friend. It's not a big deal at all. And it'll basically save 25 to fifty dollars. So if this is something that sounds like it's up your alley, please reach out to me. And if you're worried about signing up or unsure, just know that it's all levels. It's not like an elite event. It's just a really great opportunity to, Get together with women who are interested in the same things as you, and kind of tapping into this. I know, I know, sometimes that must be hard too, because I'm training for a marathon. This isn't my life all the time, but I feel like the last two months is definitely a big part of my life. And in all honesty, I know I've talked about the training, I've talked about my nerves about it on this podcast, but I've been definitely getting into my head during some of the longer runs. And yesterday, so I guess this would be Saturday, I was so nervous, I actually woke up, I made a playlist while I ate my bagel with peanut butter, and I decided I was going to run with music. I haven't ran with music for three years, I think it was right after Brayden was born, I needed a little bit of music to get me going, so it's been probably about three years now and I listened to music on the whole run, the whole like two hours and 50 minutes, the whole um, 20 miler that I ran and to be honest, I really needed to get on my head and it felt really good. I'm not sure I would do that on every long run but for me in the moment, it was so needed and I think that is an important part about training is that you know everyone is so unique, so different. Normally in my trainings, I've also been – taking like practicing, taking goo or or some kind of like um, calorie supplement uh, just to practice. And to be honest, like we ran out of goo and I haven't even practiced with it yet. So that's giving me a little bit of anxiety. I know I have another 20 miler, 22 miler coming up and I'm wondering like maybe I should practice because you don't want something bad to happen on like the actual day. But also it's nice being able to see what I can do without having to take you know, the calories or the, the nutrition supplement when you run. So if you have any advice on when you take your goo or your cliff shots or whatever you use, um, please let me know. In fact, if there's something you recommend, I try, let me know. Um, and if there's a way that you like to do it, let me know. This is actually one of my favorite conversations to have when I'm running with other people is what's your um, – supplement when you run like how do you take it some people you know have a specific routine and it works for them and i'm curious to see what you do so please reach out let me know and going along with this if you are liking this podcast please leave a review on itunes it would mean so much to me a lot of the topics on the podcast are requested by you so let me know what you would like to hear my instagram is jennifer mc3 or fit And I'm on Facebook as Jennifer McCracken. So feel free to reach out in any way. So let me know what you want to hear. Let me know if you want to go to the Women's Wellness Retreat or at least get more info. And let me know how you supplement your runs. I am so curious and I am so excited to open that conversation with people. Today I have a special guest joining me to discuss a really important topic. Um, We're talking about kids' mindfulness and service. And I'm so excited to be talking about this. This is definitely an episode, whether you work with kids or have kids or there are kids in your life, so it's aunt, uncle, whatever. This is definitely an important episode because um, I feel like I learned a lot from this episode and I hope that you take away that same theme, which is, and I'm just going to spoil it here, in order to work with... Kids and mindfulness, and how to help them become more mindful. Your practice has to be important too, which is why I do add the little meditation at the end of this podcast because it's practice, and we will look at that in this episode. So, our community member of the week on But First Stretch is Christy McCourt. She's a certified yoga teacher, she's a certified um, mindfulness educator. She actually has a background in trauma and a holistic health counselor who is passionate about the intersection of social justice and yoga, gentle parenting, and raising conscious kids. Christy and I have a lot in common. We are both teachers by trade. She taught French. I teach history. She and I love running. Um, We both have two young kids. Hers are actually five and a half months apart, and because of this, I even think before we had kids, we both loved working with kids. If you're not following Christy on Instagram, you should. She's showing the world really great tips and tricks on how to raise mindful kids and ways to be civically active. Both of us are committed to service. Christy has been to Haiti, Malawi, Nepal, and Nicaragua through Build On and Hope for Haiti. And this summer, I'm so excited about this. We are leading a service and yoga camp for girls ages 7 through 12 through White White Marsh Parks and Recreation. There's still time to register. We do anticipate this selling out. Christy has been working um, through White Marsh Parks and Recreation for the past few years doing the yoga portion of the camp, and it's going to be awesome. So make sure that if this is something you would like your kids to do, sign sign them up. It's also um, towards the end of the summer, so take a look. Take a look at the kids' school schedules. It might be a perfect week for you guys. So let me know again. That's another thing. If you have any questions on that, I'm happy to send you a link as well. So let's get started. Let's stretch our mind, body, and soul. The first portion of the podcast is the warm-up, introducing our guests. Hi, Christy. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited you're on. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself. What is your background? Where are you from? And how did you get into yoga and
1: mindfulness? So I currently live in Haverford with my two toddlers and my dog, my crazy dog. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I grew up in Kanchi. And mindfulness and yoga sort of slowly lured me in. I was first introduced to it in college by a dean, but I was not a believer at all. (laughs) Um, Fast forward to post-college, and I was a marathon runner. I sustained an injury that took me off the road and decided to try it again because it was, you know, becoming a thing. It was in runner's world. I was like, do this for injury prevention. (laughs) And I was like, all right, I'll try it. And again... I didn't really fall in love with it. I was doing, like, sit-ups and shavasana. I was just, like, a very uh, active, needed-to-move-all-the-time type of person. But something just kept me coming back. And then one night, I, like, bawled my eyes out <laughs> and was just kind of like, this is where I'm meant to be. Like, I need this in my life right now. And so I kept going back, and I joined um, – my a local studio, which was Raya at the time, took classes with different teachers there and just kept falling more and more in love, if that was possible, with yoga and um, decided to do my teacher training just more as like personal development, not necessarily to teach yoga, um, but after doing my teacher training, continuing to practice, I just kind of fell into teaching and love it love it love it love it I transitioned ultimately out of the classroom and into the studio (laughs) and I don't regret it at all (laughs) that's awesome and are you still teaching adults yoga right now so I am technically on the sub list but because of the two toddlers at home I don't teach a whole lot right now um But I miss it some days. (laughs) And I'm transitioning a lot of my work to more youth-focused, child-focused, family-focused.
0: Yeah, if you ever see Christy on the schedule anywhere, she teaches an amazing basics and gentle class. Thank you. Definitely
1: hop in.
0: Um, And where did you get your teacher training?
1: Uh, I did my teacher training with Beyond Asana in Philadelphia, and it was with Maura Manzo and Brittany Castro. Cool. And that was a, like a service-based training, right? That was a service-based training. We also simultaneously raised funds to uh, build a school in Nepal and then traveled to Nepal and lived with a family um, and did a little bit of work on the work site while we were there. That is so... Like, what an amazing training, you know? Yeah, that that's <clears throat> what drew me to the training. It's kind of why I did that training. Yeah. So
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So obviously, like having kids inspired you to maybe shift your focus from solely teaching adults yoga into teaching kids yoga. How how is that transition for you? What what inspired you to do yoga and mindfulness with your kids?
1: So um, I have two toddlers who are five and a half months apart. My daughter is adopted, um, and we found out we matched with her mother um, when I was very early in my first trimester, and I had had some issues, uh, miscarriages and things like that, so we just weren't really sure where anything was going to go, and we thought about it, and we ended up deciding to like just roll with it and see what happens um, after doing our research. and. Best decision we ever made, by the way. So cute. (laughs) Just throw that out there. (laughs) Um, Just in general, like, pursuing that simultaneously. But um, having an almost two-year-old and a (laughs) just-turned-two-year-old, mindfulness is, like, my saving grace during the day. Um, It not only keeps me super focused um, on the moment and, like, allows me to enjoy them so much more, Right? Because I'm like present to what's happening instead of worrying about a million different things. Um, But it's also so fun to just watch them use it, right? Um, They pick it up so quickly. And like when you least expect it, they like throw it back in your face. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Right? Like I was getting upset
1: the other day because I think she was one of my kids was throwing food. And my daughter (laughs) looks at me and she goes, Mommy, you need to breathe now. (sighs) (laughs) She told you. So I was like, okay, it's, it's working, right? They're they're learning, um, and so it's just been great for us to connect to like that time together. So yeah, and we're definitely gonna talk more about this I think in the rest of the episode. But
0: what has been the most rewarding part of your job? We'll say as a yoga instructor, yoga teacher, and it could span anything that you've done, taught. <sighs> I know that's like a big question, right?
1: <laughs> So, I really think that the most rewarding thing for me is, like, what I learned from my students. My students are my biggest teachers, and for that, I am just so grateful. And I would also say community, mm-hmm. right? Like, the community that develops.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting how when you show up to teach a yoga class, it's like, oh, I know so much about you, and this is so special, and you know so much about me. Yeah. Yeah. What is the most challenging part
1: of your job? Um honestly, I think the business aspect of yoga has been challenging for me, trying to like monetize something I mm. love and something that I'm so passionate about that I want to make accessible to like everyone (laughs) and things should be accessible to everyone Mm -hmm. Uh, but at the same time like needing to support family and things like that right so like finding that balance it's so hard and the way to like yeah make it work yeah
0: thank you for sharing that (laughs) i always want i want a I just love when it's real, right? <laughs> I was like, and that's not going to be a popular answer, <laughs> but, but I it's think, true. But I think that brings back to, like, the concept of work, too. Mm-hmm. And that's important is that it's okay to love what you do, but there's those lines that are so tricky. Yeah. 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 So let's dive into the workout portion. So... We have been talking personally about changes in your life and how your goals have shifted, right, from starting out as a teacher, starting as a yoga teacher, moving to mindfulness and yoga with kids. What do you see yourself doing in the next two years with yoga and
1: mindfulness and service? Mm. (laughs) Hmm. Big question. Yes, I know. It's such a good question, though, right? Um. I really see myself shifting to focus um, more on providing mindfulness tools for those working with or raising children. Um, Working with, like, families, parents, caregivers, educators, because our kids spend a lot of time with their teachers, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Um, In a variety of ways, right? Just trying to make it accessible, one-on-one, workshops, consulting. I also see myself focusing more on the intersection of – mindfulness yoga and justice issues like specifically in parenting but also in general um but the focus on like that parenting and raising conscious kids
0: that is kind of avenue yeah yeah and I think it's tough to Mm -hmm. ask because I know that you have like a pretty amazing like yoga for educators workshop and you've done things in different schools and it is it's like what's next and you have a lot of
1: different directions that you can take yeah <laughs> and I'm still like sh- shrinking them into like <laughs> right <laughs> you know but that's kind of
0: mm-hmm.
1: shifting from I've spent a lot of time kind of doing it all right like vinyasa basics gentle schools adaptive just like mm-hmm. all over the place and I'm trying to really focus it in on like yeah
0: yeah that's hard when you like so many those things work with
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see I get bored easily
0: is what I say so I guess like for everyone listening why is yoga important for kids
1: yoga is important for kids on different levels right it's important for self-regulation um, because if we're not regulated how can we be in relationship with ourselves or anyone else um, honestly I wish as a kid and a young adult I had these tools <laughs> right neat. so for me yeah. it's important to share them, um, so that others have them and have those resources. Uh, I've, I've worked with a variety of youth from schools that specialize in behavioral diagnosis, um, ASD, as well as like private and public schools, preschools, and really it's just to provide tools right tools 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 Mm -hmm. for regulation for so that you can handle anything that comes your way and tools for just staying present Mm -hmm. right because I really think as our society becomes seemingly less grounded and more chaotic uh, these tools will help ground our children in themselves so they can move through the world confidently and peacefully and affect change ways that they want to
0: yeah so I was teaching a yoga class for teenagers you've actually taught that class before the rowing team and I asked the I was talking to them I always like ask like an icebreaker question (laughs) and they basically the consensus in this like I guess the freshman class is that they feel overwhelmed and anxious about let's say like homework like oh my gosh I have so much homework and they spend an hour like all worked up about it they can't do anything they might get a snack they might go on tiktok which is like the new app that they all are on right now um and then by the time that they get settled and ready to start it only takes them like 30 minutes but they work themselves up for so long that their anxiety was there and it was interesting that they were able to express what was taking place yes like they knew it and they were using like social media and things to distract them from what they actually had to do and if they just did it it would probably wouldn't have been stressful but in their mind it's like I have so much work I have so many classes Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. instead of tackling it they don't really have the skills to
1: to be present yeah to their emotions to their like, what's it? What's reality? Yeah. I don't know if reality is the right word, but what's in front of them?
0: Right. But I, I would I say know, that sorry. that's not, like, uncommon, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. And it actually is pretty impressive that they're able to pinpoint what took place. Yes. And what takes place in their life. Yes. So I, th- I think that is cool. Like, how can we help
1: kids how can we take that awareness and translate it into productive action
0: mhm yeah so fascinating yeah mhm that's mm-hmm. something that like i think all schools all parents anyone who works with kids can really tap into like what are they anxi- what are they anxious about for their homework like what you know mm-hmm. like where did that stem mhm that's interesting too. Um, you've also taught baby and me classes, toddler classes. You're currently teaching like family and kids yoga. And what what like, I don't know, what are some like key similarities and key differences that you might notice in those groups?
1: And mm-hmm. that was a tough question. Yeah. I can stop it too. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> um, no, it's it's an interesting question because there is a difference, right? And and how you approach it is different and this the what the expectations are are different, right? When you're working with baby and me, I mean when you're working for me, when I'm working with any level of this, the parents practice is just as important mm, as the kids. Yeah. Right? So that is a common theme regardless of what age I'm working with. Um, Because if I as a parent, right, can't regulate myself, there's no way my children are going to be able to regulate themselves. Mm. Right? It's those moments where, like, we start to lose and we fly off the handle that this comes into play. And, like, practicing it when we're not in that state.
0: Yeah. Right? And so
1: that common theme of, like, The parents' practice is just as important, if not more important, than the kids, right? And Mm -hmm. then as the kids get older, right, because in Baby and Me, it's just all parent breathing and modeling and things like that, Mm -hmm. in my experience. Mm -hmm. And then as the kids get older, you're introducing these techniques to the children as well. So you're doing it together with your child, right? The parent is doing it and the child, and you're both learning these skills together, right? Mm -hmm. And then if you're... As you get older, then you if you start when you're younger, then you grow with that. And if you're introducing it to like teens or things like that, or ages, Mm -hmm. tweens, teens, those Mm -hmm. ages, what I've experienced is that they crave stillness. So it looks a little different because I approach that age from the angle of, okay, let's do this comfy relaxation. And then once that trust is built, once those, we can kind of get into that state of like, oh, I can just be for a minute, then I can introduce skills, and the skills that I introduce have to be meaningful, Mm -hmm. right? Especially at that age, because with toddlers, they'll mirror back anything I throw at them, right? right? But when they get a little bit older, it's important to kind of just notice and pay attention to what's meaningful for them, Mm -hmm. right? Where is it going to be helpful for them? And that's kind of how I make it not, like, cheesy or dumb Mm -hmm. or... Yeah, as you get into like the older ages if you're introducing it at that level.
0: Yeah, and I think that's so important. It's so important because like at this age, like the only classes I've done with my kids, I've physically been in the room with them and they've seen me. But yeah. I, it, I'm interested to see how how they grow with that. That's, that's really cool. So what's a misconception that kids and their families have about yoga that you'd want to change?
1: Um, I think... There's a couple, but I think the first one is that it takes up too much time. Like, I can't fit it in. We have to do all these things, and now you want me to do this, right? Mm -hmm. Or you want me to teach my kid this, or you want... But I think for me, it's important to dispel that misconception because mindfulness is anytime you're focused on the thing that you're doing, right? So, like, walking into a building noticing the texture of the door handle, what temperature is it, right? That's mindfulness, right? And it doesn't take any extra time out of your day, (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: right? Meditation, like we meditate in the car with my toddler sometimes just because they're strapped in and they can't go anywhere. (laughs) And we didn't have time before we got in the car, right? And then the second one that I would add to that is that like meditation is hard, right? Mm -hmm. My kids aren't going to sit. Right, I have a toddler. They're not going to sit. I'm like, no, they're not. That's not what toddlers do. Mm-hmm. But there are ways to incorporate meditations where the, if they sit for five seconds, it's fine. They're watching you do it, mm-hmm. right? And so just that like that idea of like it doesn't need to look like anything. I think mindfulness and meditation have become such a buzzword, and with that come a lot of like ideas of what it is instead of like what it can be.
0: Yeah, and sometimes I think, like, Mm. looking at my three-year-old, sometimes he is much more mindful than I am. He'll be like, oh, look, the moon is awake, because it's, it's, like, light out, and he (laughs) noticed that, and I feel like he has more awareness of things, because he's, again, learning, and
1: he's curious, and which is where I come back to these practices in reality for us. (laughs) Right. They're for us as parents. They're for so that we can enjoy that world with them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, it's so special. Yeah. And I think, you know, we do like little stuff in our household and he, I told you he loves that just breathe kids and it's so funny. He like, I have him pick out his emotion which is like actually a really great skill to have the kids identify how they feel right now and he gets upset if like he wants to see like I don't know the the boat and I'm like well you're not tired so (laughs) it's gonna show you that you said you were happy so here are some things to do when you're happy and he is so cute now like they tell him what to do and he'll like put his hands over his heart and breathe and it's it's really cute, I and I know, it. it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like so cute, so That's he's so awesome. taking some really great strides, and he's like,
1: mommy, can I meditate? And he's three. 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 Yeah. 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 Exactly. So exactly. It is possible. <laughs> <laughs> I was even talking to a teacher today, and she's like, well, I do it with my kindergartners, but I don't really do it with anyone below that age, and I was like, let's talk. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It is
0: possible. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. yeah, and there's so many like I like the breathing ball is mm-hmm. cute, even like the bell if you ding yes. it and ask them to like raise their hand when they can't hear the sound anymore. Like, those are that's being mindful, that's being aware that the sound is stopped. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah, and it's training their brains.
0: All right, so you sort of answered the second question, but why is mindfulness for kids so important and when should we introduce it? We've obviously talked about. Toddlers doing it before kindergarten. What do you? What
1: are your thoughts? So, I think mindfulness is so important. I kind of answered that a little bit too with the yoga question, but I think it's so important because, well, a like you said, they are already mindful, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just meeting them where they are and encouraging that so that they don't lose it as they get older. Mm-hmm. Um, I but I also think that the only the only way to be in relationship, right, is presence and I think giving our kids the skills to be present to their own emotions Mm -hmm. to their own Mm goings-on for lack of a better word um allows them to then be aware of other people right it comes back to identifying feelings right if Mm -hmm. I'm aware of how I'm feeling that affects how I interact with someone that affects Mm -hmm. how I respond to you right and so Again, I come back to it's just as important for us as parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like this theme. <laughs> to to practice. I don't know. I'm going to say like a broken record. But it's just as important for us to practice these skills. Um, and our kids are watching. Our kids are watching everything we do. They absorb it all. And even – and I'm going totally off topic. But, like, even if we don't think they're paying attention, mm-hmm. they totally are. Like, I – I do all this, right? I did a 30 day meditation challenge on Instagram, and my son is like running around the room. Mm-hmm. My daughter's like sitting there, like, Yes, let's meditate. I'm in. And my son's like running around the room, and I'm like, oh, He's never gonna get this. Like, I'm a, you know, uh-huh. I'm a fake. <laughs> And then the other day, he was like really upset about something, and I was just sitting with him, and I just kind of let him have his moments, because he has a lot of them. And So many emotions. So (laughs) many big feels. And it's great. It's great. (laughs) But I was like, just letting him, and all of a sudden he goes, (sighs) 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 Mommy, I okay. Oh, that is so cute. And I was like, Okay, he's listening, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's hearing it, he's seeing it, he's absorbing it. Actually have a, I have a similar story
0: to that. So that's it. we've been doing breath work with my son for, like, a long time. And honestly, if you ask him to breathe while he's in his tantrum, he will scream at you.
1: Yes. Like, he is <laughs> –
0: You, yeah, he's no. not happy. And it's, it's like, okay, <laughs> poor choice. But I was really upset. I want to say it was last week. And – I was crying and he comes up to me and he goes, it's okay, mommy. He's like, just breathe, breathe in, breathe out. And I was like, Oh, thank you. And ever since he brought that up to me, when he has been upset about something small, like you got to put your shoes on to ride the bike. (laughs) And he is angry about it. I'll be like, all right, can we remember what you told mommy? Like take a breath and he'll now he'll like, because he told me to do it. He yes. now is like, oh, if mom has to do it sometimes, and yes. I have to do it. So it's, it's yes. been like a big
1: breakthrough in our household. That yeah. is so amazing. But that's what our practice. And it's the practice, mm-hmm. right? And it's mm-hmm. you're doing it, he's doing it, you're doing it together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's why you, we practice this when we're not in fight, flight. Yes. Freed, right? <laughs> because when they're in a tantrum, Mm -mm. You just got to let them be in their tantrum. Like, there's nothing you can do. Their brain is not in a state where they're (laughs) going to be able to do – they don't want to listen to you. No. (laughs) If they have those skills, like your perfect example, right, he's now able to use those. And teaching is another great thing. I love having kids teach other kids, having Mm -hmm. kids teach other adults. Like I have my kids teach their pop-up is over all the time.
0: And so they teach pop-up
1: all their breaths. It's just so reinforcing and makes it more meaningful. Mm -hmm. So that's an excellent point
0: Yeah, for
1: sharing that story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I guess like the second part of that is when do we start?
1: Yes, we start in the womb. We start at birth. We start when a child first comes into your care, right? It's never too early. It's never too late. Yeah. Um, I do think the earlier we're able to introduce it, the less cheesy and boring they think it is. And, like, the more natural it is for them. It just becomes part of their mm-hmm. constitution. Yeah. Right? Part of what they do. Um, and like I said before, I do think introducing it to older kiddos may require a little more effort in making sure it's meaningful to them. Right. Um. But like I said, in my experience, like they crave stillness, the, old, the tweens, the mm-hmm. teens. And so if you can like get them in that comfy, comfy place, bolsters, blocks. Mm-hmm. I love doing like uh, body scans with that age mm-hmm. group um, because even if they roll their eyes, they're doing it mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're loving it, right? They put up a front, but they love it.
0: And that's a great way to get their mind into the present. Because yeah. I feel like that age, especially, and I, again, I feel like I'm, like, negative on the social media, but I feel yeah. like the social media element has made it, I think, like, more demanding to be a kid today.
1: So much so.
0: Like, I, like you, it doesn't, it's not like it stays in the
1: classroom and you have to, like, go back the next day. It like, can follow, like, the thoughts follow you. Everything. hmm Yes. My stepdaughter is 19 now, and I remember going to I took her to a yoga class I think it was like for my birthday or something and my family always indulges me and they'll like go (laughs) so my husband and my stepdaughter went with me and I remember coming out of the class and her turning her phone on and it was something like 3,000 text messages and that did include like Twitter or any of the other Snapchat messages that she was getting that was just text messages and it's like how can you be present to anything when you're bombarded by
0: I know. Do you remember? Do you remember, like, if someone wanted to talk to you, they had to speak to your parent on the landline.
1: On the landline.
0: Like they couldn't just, yeah. (laughs) They actually had to say hello, Mister and missus So and So. Like they couldn't, or like your sister or brother would pick up the phone. Like it was off. It was more awkward. Like they can't. But with like texting, you can like bypass like, like everything. Everything. And be more sneaky. Yeah. And
1: create more chaos. Mm-hmm. Right? I guess sneaky's not really the word, but create more chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I liked how you brought up the idea of, especially with, like, middle schoolers and high schoolers, like, introducing mindfulness and yoga without kids thinking it's cheesy or boring. So they like stillness. They need to feel like... I guess what you're doing is like purposeful almost. Mm-hmm. What else can you maybe add to that where they don't think it's cheesy or boring? Hmm.
1: I think it's just making them a part of the process too, right? Like asking them, right? Mm-hmm. You teach, you, you talked about the, mm-hmm. the crew team, right? And I found it was just like, what do you need? Mm-hmm. What? And even just start with the physical, right? Like as athletes especially... What part of your body is tight today? And you start there, and again, it's building trust. Mm -hmm. Once you build that trust, they're more likely to breathe or do the crazy lion's breath, Mm -hmm. right? Right. (laughs) That the first time you introduce, (laughs) they look at you and they're like, yeah, I'm just going to sit over here and watch you all do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm too cool." Yes.
0: (laughs) Um, You know, and that's interesting because this brings up another point I think with yoga and mindfulness is that, and I think we said it with the kids. We're saying it again now, like the younger kids. Um, it takes time. Yes. Like I feel like we're like, oh, let's let's get our let's do a quick like workshop for kids. Let's do a quick workshop for teachers. But it's something that to build the relationship, to build the trust in mindfulness, the practice. It's a practice. It can't. It can't just be done and expect like kids aren't gonna do their homework. Why would you expect them to like do a body
1: scan in the morning by themselves? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's right. It's 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 a practice.
0: And I think that's a lot of times like it becomes buzzwords, like magazines are talking about it, newspapers, mindfulness in the classroom, but it's time. Like it's not a six week series. It's yes. like
1: It's constant, and again, that comes back to, right, how important it is for the adults in their lives. Now, as they get into more teens, they're less interactive with the adults in their lives, (laughs) but the adults in their lives to be modeling these practices all the time, too, and to at least present them or have them consistently and continually.
0: Mm Yeah, I love that. Um, I want to switch gears, though, a little bit, and this is something that I'm so excited to talk to you about. Um, I want to discuss service. Yay! So, a few things, like, what has called you to action? Like, why are you committed to service? Um, I Just for everyone listening, I'm hesitant to use words like help others here, and I, I feel like you're going to answer this at some point, so...
1: Perhaps. I'm going to try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Service is such a loaded word, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and it's it's such a loaded word because we are so gung-ho to, like, serve and to help others mm. and to, to, to fix things, mm-hmm. right? And we so often don't stop or slow down to listen, right? To notice if what we want to fix actually needs to be fixed, to listen to what is actually needed in communities, right? Um, a lot yeah. of communities that we think need to be fixed or need help might be doing okay, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe the help they need, or the help is not a word I like to use, right? But maybe what they need is not what we're gung-ho on giving, mm-hmm. right? And so for me... Like, there's a, definitely a conscious piece to service. Um, and I know by adding the word conscious before service, it doesn't make service conscious. <laughs> right. Right. But when yeah. I talk about it, I talk about conscious service, meaning service that is done with a little bit more intentionality, mm-hmm. a little bit more research, a little bit more listening, a lot more listening, and a lot less doing, right? Mm-hmm. Which comes back to the whole mindfulness, mindfulness piece of being right so for service to be meaningful there needs to be a lot more being and a lot more listening mm-hmm. right and I've like now said that six times so I'll move on no it's... but um, yeah it's just so that's kind of that piece of it is where I'm going to start with that but you did ask about like what called me to action right mm-hmm. or where so my passion is actually in um, cultural immersion and like learning from others and so I a lot of the service I have done has been through organizations that work closely with communities and the communities themselves are actually doing the work um so like I've stayed with host families in different places and um like learned from them and I was there to like build a school in air quotes here (laughs) um but it was really about so much more it was really about learning and listening and um because I mean I can tie some rebar and I can dig a hole, but beyond that, I don't have the skills to build a school, right? Mm -hmm. So me trying to go in and build a school without those skills is really not helpful because then somebody has to go in and redo my work, Mm
0: -hmm. right?
1: Right. So it was more about providing the resources financially in in a lot of these cases um, to buy the materials in country, in Mm. the communities where we were. Right? And it was all community-led and community-run. Yeah. And so for me, a big part of my draw to service is just learning cultural immersion and, like, learning how others live. So I'm repeating myself. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I think it's needed in this question in particular. Like, this is, like, your
0: experience with it. And I know that I love the idea, like, we go into service, like, I can't wait to help people. I can't wait to make a difference.
1: Yes. But really
0: like, are you making a difference for them or for yourself?
1: Yes. And, and it's tough. There is no way to do service without making a difference for yourself. Yeah. Right? So it's definitely, and, but there is a way to be, I believe that there's a way to be intentional about it mm-hmm. so that it, you're being in service to each other. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and it's not one-sided. A lot of, I mean, let's look at colonialism, right? Like, a lot of what is done, and as a result of that, are people pushing in and saying, oh, this is what you need, I'm going to give this to you, Mm -hmm. and then the community being like, it's not really what we needed, thanks
0: anyway. Yeah, thanks for all these, like, Super Bowl loser T-shirts.
1: Right, and I can tell you from experience, I have seen clothing donations, I have seen, like, just mounds of clothing Mm -hmm. on the streets in places, because mm, so sad. it's not wanted, it's not needed, and it's like, oh, let's just send it there, because they need this, mm-hmm. but no one's taking the time to, like, interact with anyone. Right, right? what they and need so, are probably
0: people sustaining themselves, and yes. buying
1: from the person down the street. Yes, and that creates, it all comes back to community, it's mm-hmm. creating community, how can we be in community together, mm-hmm. so that we can achieve a common goal
0: love that I love that so what resources would you suggest for people who want to get more involved is there anything we should be reading or organizations we can be supporting
1: um so I always just say start by like doing research and learning what it means to be of conscious service right like that whole idea of of um listening (laughs) before (laughs) acting (laughs) Um, I really like Skill in Action by Michelle, Michelle Cassandra Johnson. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've read that one yet or not, but, um, that is a great, that ties back to the mindfulness and yoga piece because it's, it's how to put your yoga practice to action mm-hmm. in a conscious way.
0: I love right? that. Yeah.
1: And so for me, because of the way I did my teacher training, so much of like the yoga, social justice, it's just so intertwined. Mm-hmm. And um, her book is, does a really nice job of kind of, like, outlining yeah, outlining that. Cool. Yeah. Cool.
0: Um, what can we do as individuals, as families, to
1: participate in service? So first, I want to say that being of service can be smiling at someone and brightening their day, right? Mm-hmm. Being of service can be holding the door open for a stranger. Yeah. I think we also often are like, oh, service, I have to travel to a faraway country or I have to, like, do these big, giant things. Um, But service can be simple. Um, So I just like to start with that. Yeah, I (laughs) love that. But if you are looking, I think, if you're looking to do more or something bigger, you like that idea, it's, again, start by listening. What's needed in your community. Right, what organizations are already working with the community, and how can you be of service to those organizations or mm-hmm. um, things like that? I think I, is a good place to start. I mean, you have some experience with this too. So. Yeah, I think
0: that's great, and I think like we do have a really good, um, I guess you could say, food pantry. It's like much more than that in the area. Oh, CNC. Yeah, is so great. <laughs> And I know, like, they're always looking for people to, like, drive. I know that, you yeah. know, if you – I don't know. I like to have a garden in the summertime, but there's no way I can eat as many eggplants as I produce. And they will take that, which is, like, amazing. amazing to yes. give other people, like, fresh vegetables vegetables. So if you kind of really tap into what you can provide. So I'm not like yes. giving millions of dollars to them, you know. Yes. I might give like my formula samples that other families can use. And that's
1: just sometimes mm-hmm. more impactful.
0: Yeah. And I know yeah. that it will be going to someone in the area that I also
1: love and want to support. Yeah. 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 Yes. And I know Cradles to Crowns is also super local. Mm-hmm. And do they do a lot of good work and they're always looking for volunteers to like organize and
0: yeah and they do a lot of great stuff with kids yes like definitely like i i've taken some kid groups there and they will have like kids write letters and they do a stuff the backpack fundraiser which is
1: awesome yes
0: yeah yeah Yeah. um and i just want to ask another question um i would love to hear more about like your call to like social justice, I think that that's a piece we didn't get to talk about, but it's something that I know I'm personally really interested in um, because I, I think it's a relatively like newer term, but it's not new. If that makes sense yeah. to you, yeah. Tell tell us a little bit about why it's important to you, especially you know with your daughter, and maybe like what if there was a takeaway that people could have, like, what is a takeaway?
1: So I think for me, like, parenting in terms of social justice and raising conscious kids, um, I tend to focus a lot on race in America. Um, We are a transracial family. My daughter is black. Um, But I was involved in some of this work prior to having my daughter, adopting my daughter, Um, and I think I just am more vocal about it now. (laughs) Um, but I think it's important because it's often so uncomfortable for, especially us as white people to, to talk about it, right? To talk about race, to talk about inequities, to, to acknowledge our privilege, right? Mm -hmm. That we have advantages because we were born white. A lot of people, I think... I'm not going to make assumptions on why people are uncomfortable with it, but I think it just tends to be super uncomfortable for people. And I think it's it's just important to start talking about it because our discomfort is what then creates discomfort in our children, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, an example I used recently, and this doesn't have to do with race, it has to do with ableism, but we were at like the Please Touch Museum, right? And my son, who is, was like one and a half at the time, noticed a kid in a chair, wheelchair and was kind of looking at him and looking at me and looking at, and looking at him and looking at me. And a lot of times what parents will do is they'll be like, oh, don't stare, don't stare, don't stare, and like pull their kid away. Well, what that teaches your child, right, that teaches our children is that like that person is other, that person is different. Like mm-hmm. be afraid of them or like our kids make all these judgments in their minds, right? But that's not our intent right? Mm -hmm. But our impact is that our kids are making these judgments in their mind, right? They're like, oh, well, mom said not to look, so there must be something wrong, right? Instead, what what I choose to do, and again, this is just my experience. I'm very far from an expert in any of this, um, is I said to my son, well, go introduce yourself, right? And so my son went over. He introduced himself. He said, hi, I'm Michael. The kids told him his name. They played for a few minutes and then they like you know they're one and a half right they went on their way <laughs> like they didn't <laughs> you know um, and i think it's the same thing when kids blurt out why is that person yellow why is that person black why is their skin different right mm-hmm. like kids it's a kids are curious fact people are different fact nothing bad about any of those things right and i think we especially as white people tend to, and again, I, I'm making generalizations, which I shouldn't be doing, but what I have seen, what I've witnessed is people get super uncomfortable, super afraid in those situations. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, shh, shh, don't say that, don't say that. Oh, shh. And instead of acknowledging, right, like, oh yes, they have brown skin, we have white skin. People come in all different shades, right? Your brother's pink, a little pinker than you, or whatever you need to say that, that works for you. So I think it's important for us. that's why i think it's important so like acknowledging social justice issues in parenting is because our reactions are influencing the next generation and how they're then going to interact with people right and it's such a basic simple way to start start shifting that narrative right mm-hmm. in addition to teaching black excellence to teaching about other cultures and like real history and the marvelous things that people have done that are not necessarily white people <laughs> Right, are not white people.
0: And it's interesting. I remember growing up, specifically, my mom saying to me, like, and it was only about, like, politeness. Like, it's Jen, it's not polite to stare. Yes. But I was a kid. I was curious. It, yes. it wasn't that I was coming from a rude place. Yes. But I think, I think that is an, a societal construct. Like, if, yes. if a kid is looking at something, they're curious. It's not necessarily rude. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, I feel like if I were in a wheelchair, I'd rather someone come up and say hi to me than, like, divert their eyes and not even want to look at me. Like, that makes
1: it more uncomfortable. Right. Exactly. And so the thing is, right, it's, it's acknowledging the curiosity, right? Kids are curious. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it bad. It doesn't make it, we make it bad, mm-hmm. right? We complicate it. Kids are just curious. So if we acknowledge that curiosity, they don't make all of those judgments, right, that we can't predict that they're making.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's so,
0: yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. <laughs> that's just how I approach it. I'm
1: by far not an expert in any of this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just someone who thinks it's important to leverage our privilege and to to teach our kids.
0: And I think it, I think it is important because I've mentioned before that – I am super uncomfortable, and I know that I need to kind of spearhead my discomfort, open the conversation, hear what other people have to say who are much better at expressing it than I am. And I think that I learn a little bit more just by being in conversation with other people and how they handle. And when I say social justice, like in this case, it's clearly maybe more about racism. Um, it could it could be about anything we made like the, the wheelchair analogy so it does span but it is our own reaction to it and just knowing it I guess it's okay to be uncomfortable because it yes. wasn't necessarily us who created the situations but we're part of that society that did we're part of the problem right <laughs> right 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 <laughs> and and it and
1: and it goes to like I was re- someone on a woman I follow on Facebook recently posed a question like, "Would you rather have direct advice that makes you uncomfortable, right? This is in terms of hair care, but <laughs> that makes you uncomfortable, or okay advice that's sugarcoated?" Mm-hmm. And it's like, "Well, how are you going to grow if the advice is sugarcoated, mm-hmm. right?" So, being uncomfortable is where growth comes from, right? We don't grow unless we put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, and at this point, for me, it's not an option not to be uncomfortable
0: mm-hmm.
1: for so many reasons. For so many reasons.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's great. Thank you. I know I kind of jumped the gun with that question oh, there. Okay. and I, But I, it's something that, again, I need to bring up and make sure that it's conversation. Um, so I'm going to end with three wrap-up questions that I ask everyone. So what stretches are you doing in your own life? And this could, doesn't have to be like mindfulness,
1: yoga related at all. So I recently started swimming again after a decade probably of not being in the pool. So, so that's been amazing exciting. and fabulous and wonderful. That's so important. I love it.
0: Yeah. Good for too. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is something you are enjoying doing in your life for you?
1: Right now, reading audiobooks have become my best friend. <laughs> I just recently finished Educated, which I know a lot of people are oh, talking about. Yeah. It was so good; definitely recommended read.
0: Yeah, that was that was a tough book for me to read.
1: Yeah, that was really hard.
0: Yeah, like I yeah. can't like
1: growing up in that household again. Like, like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so without giving anything away. Um,
0: Read it. Definitely mm-hmm. a
1: warning there, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, What is something you can't stop talking about? Um, Honestly, my kids. <laughs> um, my life is get up, take care of my kids, and go to bed. So, yeah, and we don't really watch a ton of TV. Michelle Obama's book, and I really think everybody should read that. So I'll put coming out there, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was by far my all-time favorite recently. Mm. So I'll throw that out there.
0: Cool. Thank you so much, Christy. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you
1: for having me.
0: This is great. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. So if you're interested in learning a little bit more about mindfulness in families and children, maybe how to add your own mindful practice, Christy is leading a Mindfulness for Parents and Caregivers workshop at Yoga Home on March 28th. So please check it out. You can sign up online and I know it's going to be a really great workshop. I believe my husband and or I will definitely be attending because it's so important to learn these skills as I think my children in particular get older being not quite one and three years old. So if you have any questions about that, please send me a message. Please send Christy a message or contact Yoga Home. That's March 28th from 1 to 4 p.m. I believe so the other thing is if you're interested in sending your kids to camp we have the yoga and service camp coming up this summer so please reach out for us or just sign right up at White Marsh Parks and Recreation. So the last thing that I want to do is a meditation for our cool down and I'm going to keep it very basic Because the theme of this discussion is about how mindfulness is a practice. Meditation, breath work, all these things that we do in our lives are a practice. So come to a comfortable seated position. Gently twist your body to the right side, gaze over the right shoulder. And then twist your body over to the left side, looking over the left shoulder. Bring your torso back to center and roll the shoulders up by the ears and down the back several times. Just nice gentle shoulder rolls. And when you're ready, find stillness. Close your eyes or lower your gaze. Bring awareness to your breath. Not trying to change it. But notice how it begins to slow down just by bringing awareness to it. Allow your attention to go right underneath the nostrils. Noticing the air as you breathe in and out. Maybe this is where you find your focus today. Meditation, mindfulness, living each day fully and joyfully, all a practice. Maintaining composure during stressful situations, always a practice. Life is not all calm, all easy. It's how we work on our reactions that determine our outcome. Your breath is the constant during life. If your mind starts to wander, gently bring it back into the room to your breath. This is a practice, and it's natural to have wandering thoughts. Some people benefit by counting breaths. Inhale one. Exhale one. Inhale two. Exhale two. And continue counting if it helps to keep you in the present moment. If it doesn't, bring your awareness perhaps right where you can feel the air and the breath underneath the nostrils. and slowly start to bring your awareness back into the room. Gently open your eyes. And take a look around. Thank you so much for listening to But First Stretch. If you have any questions about the episode or want to learn more, please reach out to me on social media, Jennifer McCracken3 and Instagram, and FitFamConchi on Instagram, as well as Jennifer McCracken on Facebook. I hope you have a wonderful day.